Exterior landfill night, a suburban rubbish dump at night. A full moon hangs above the city skyline in the distance. Welcome to 10 Pages, the podcast that helps emerging screenwriters workshop their scripts. We're your hosts, Cam Clark and Justin P. Bechtold. Thanks, Cam. Our guest writer today is Steve Mitchell. Say hi, Steve. Hi, fellas. Now, Steve is writing an animated children's series called Trash. Sounds great. Let's jump into the first 10 pages. Exterior, landfill, night. A suburban rubbish dump at night. A full moon hangs above the city skyline in the distance. A dump truck drives up to the edge of the overflowing rubbish pit. Another car is there with its headlights on. A man in a trench coat stands in front of the car, casting a giant shadow. The truck driver stops at the shadows, rolls down his window, and squints into the headlights. Truck driver. Are you Larry Landfill? Larry. Nah, I'm Roger Rubbish Tip. Oh, I was told only to talk to Larry Landfill. Sorry. The man in the trench coat steps forward. It's Larry. He's shorter, fatter, and far less threatening than his shadow. Of course I'm Larry Landfill, you idiot. Now hand over my cash. The truck driver hands over an envelope. How come the lab pays you so much to take their rubbish? You know what's in the back? No. Good. Let's keep it that way. We're going to start building on top of this soon, so nobody needs to know. Really? What are you building? A new school and a shopping mall. On top of a landfill? We're going to concrete over it first. Oh. Anyway, enough chit-chat. Dump the stuff over there and make it snappy, okay? Someone is watching the transaction from a bush next to the cyclone fence perimeter. Too far away to hear, but close enough to see the biohazard symbols on the plastic bags that pour from the back of the dump truck. The truck driver stands beside the upraised tray and watches the last bag fall onto the pile, tumbles back down off the rubbish heap to split open on the ground next to him. A human brain flops out of the bag. Oh, what's that? Something you haven't got. Larry steps up and boots the brain into the air. It lands with a plop somewhere in the middle of the landfill. Hasta la vista, baby! Exterior high school day. A typical suburban high school. The sign at the front gate of Subwood High has been altered to read Subwoofer high. A doof-doof beat can be heard coming from one of the classrooms. Interior classroom day. The doof-doof beat is coming from a portable stereo at the back of the classroom. Rich resembles a chubby rapper as he busts some moves to impress his entourage. The careers teacher, Mrs Jobsworthy, a former librarian, switches off the stereo. Rich. Oh, miss, what are you doing? Mrs Jobsworthy. Rich Gravy. You will sit down and stop disturbing my class, understand? I wasn't disturbing them. I was entertaining them. Wasn't I? Effie, a girl wearing too much makeup and peroxided blonde hair, sits on the bench next to the stereo. Effie. That's right, miss. He was entertaining us. Can we hear the rest of the song? No. We've heard too much of that rubbish already. Rich raises his hand. Let's have a vote. Who wants to hear some more rap? Most of the students in the room raise their hands. Rich notices the quiet kid, Matt, is staring out the window and hasn't raised his hand. He flicks a rubber band into the back of his head. Hey! Put your hand up. Welcome, Matt. Matt rubs the back of his head. What for? What for? Effie calls out to Sue, who sits with her arms purposely folded. You too, dogface. Sue. Who are you calling dogface? Effluent breath? There'll be no voting. My classroom isn't a democracy. Now sit down, everyone. That includes you too, Effie. If I hear any more music, I will confiscate the stereo. Effie sneers at Sue as she takes her seat. Mrs Jobsworthy returns to her desk. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. The next summer work experience job on offer is the work at the Landfill Redevelopment Project. A new school and shopping mall will be built on top of the old tip. This one should be very exciting. She pulls a name out of the hat on her desk. And the winner is... 
Matt, welcome. Matt looks up with surprise. Rich is annoyed. But miss, Larry Lanfill is my uncle. That's where I should be going for my work experience. I'm sorry, Rich, but I can't play favourites. He's very rich. He could make it worth your while. I don't take bribes, Mr Gravy. Mrs Jobsworthy pulls out a second name. And Matt will be joined there by... Sue Ridge. Miss, I have an asthma condition and probably shouldn't go there. She does not. She's lying, miss. I've never seen you use a puffer, Sue. Do you really have asthma? Sue looks at Effie for a moment. No, but I might catch it if you send me there. Well, I'm sure you'll be fine. Mrs Jobsworthy pulls another name from her hat. And the next job is at the EPA recycling plant. Not quite as glamorous, perhaps, but I'm sure it has its good points. And the lucky person is... Effie Lewent. What? That place is for losers. I'm not spending my summer there. Effie Lewent, you will do as you're told. And joining her will be... Rich Gravy. That's what you think. Pardon? The bell sounds for lunch, and the kids get to their feet before Rich has to answer. All right, let's take a break and continue this after lunch. Be nice to each other, please, boys and girls. Rich punches his open hand while staring at Matt. I'll get that job at the landfill if it's the last thing I do. Exterior, landfill day. Seagulls circle above the massive landfill. Something gurgles beneath the surface layer of stinking rubbish. In the dark depths where the trash is compacting, green slime bubbles around a pink brain. It seems to be attracting rubbish and ooze to it like a magnet, building layers of protective skin. The skin opens to reveal a bloodshot eye. It looks from side to side and growls menacingly. Exterior, landfill, day. Larry is watching a bulldozer cover over last night's bio-waste with some fresh rubbish. A lone cyclist rides up the dirt track to Larry's Hummer. He dismounts, takes off his yellow helmet to reveal a head of white hair. It's the 70-year-old eccentric Professor Suzuki. Larry. Can I help you? Professor Suzuki. Yes. I'm Professor Suzuki from the EPA. He holds out his hand, but Larry refuses to shake it. What do you want? Someone has reported the dumping of illegal biological waste. Larry sneaks a quick look at the bulldozer's progress. What? Here? When? Last night. I can assure you, there's nothing dangerous in there. Behind the two men, a seagull is plucked from the rubbish pile and pulled underneath so fast that some of its feathers are left floating in the air. The two men glance at the landfill before resuming their conversation. That's our ten pages. Cool. Terrific stuff. So, Steve, (laughs) so briefly, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and the project? I know you've just had some sex. (laughs) I know you've just had some success with (laughs) Kowtow. That's that's got to stay in there. (laughs) I didn't promise to plug that, so I'm just dropping that in there. Back in the towel, is it because of all these bodily fluids <laughs> drenching my shirt? <laughs> and my messed up hair and lipstick all over my face. You know, I know you've had, like had sex sense. recently. <laughs> you've got to, that should like, be on a promo. Like, how do you know that? Like, <laughs> I knew I should have put my pants back on. <laughs> no, Cam, I haven't sadly just had sex. Uh, <laughs> some success. Yeah, well, okay. I'm an emerging screenwriter, had some blips of success along the way over the last 10 years or so. I've had a, a film at Tropfest called The Unusual Suspects, which I wrote and directed. I co-produced an award-winning low-budget feature called The Heckler, which is available on iTunes and DVD and various platforms. 
Which I've seen and is terrific. So congratulations. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. It was well well received, you know, back in 2015 when it was released. Mm. Um, And it was a lot of fun to make, a lot of work, but something I'm proud of. Yeah, after that, I um, helped my colleague Ben Plaza produce a very original web series called Comedians in Bars Drinking Beer, (laughs) an eight-parter with local comedians, which uh, is on YouTube for anyone who wants to go searching. Mm, I will. (laughs) I haven't seen that. Yeah, just 10-minute episodes, but it was a lot of fun. Mm. And uh, last, late last year, I, I uh, submitted a, a script I've been working on for a long time and it managed to win the John Hine Award for science fiction screenwriting. That's for a script called Cowtown. Mm, congratulations. Well done. Well done. Thanks. So um, we've read the first 10 pages of Trash. Can you briefly tell us where the story goes from here? Maybe um, like how does this episode resolve and how does the series travel as well? Sure. So this project's from a, from a bottom drawer. This screenplay, this uh, script was written 12 years ago. I think it shows. But the rest of that pilot episode is about the two main protagonists, Matt and Sue, going to start their work experience duties with the EPA Recycling Centre, which is controlled by this eccentric old professor called uh, Professor Suzuki, who's a, a bit of a wacky inventor, mm. probably the least glamorous work experience opportunity that's been handed out to those kids. They spend the afternoon picking up plastic bottles from the local beach, but while they're doing that, they encounter someone getting swallowed by a a green wheelie bin Mm. and then kidnapped by a a garbage truck that comes zooming past. So they tell this this professor, not expecting him to believe them, such a wild story, but he instantly believes them Mm. and goes to the landfill to confront Larry Landfill and these two his nephew, Rich, and his sidekick, Effie, who by this stage have been introduced to this uh, seething green monster called Trash, who uh, has grown out of this landfill and biological waste to uh, coalesce into some sentient giant being with an overdeveloped sense of entitlement (laughs) itself. Mm. He's like the perfect celebrity slash politician in fact, Trash has the same amount of letters as Trump. So there's probably <laughs> some correlation there. Which is probably why this this project's bubbled to the surface after after 12 years. I feel, right. I feel it's kind of time. But anyway, the, there's a confrontation at the landfill. The, the professor's driven the kids there in his converted bus, which turns out to be this supercharged vehicle, which enables them to escape from this monster. And Matt goes home at the end of that day to explain how his day was to his parents of course he doesn't tell them what he encountered but they've become aware that the garbos collecting wheelie bins are now a threat to the population because they've been converted into these like zombie cohorts working for this trash monster right great i think it sounds like it's got all the elements for really entertaining kids series i mean it's you know all the stuff that kids love everything you know all the You've got your trash, you've got your disgusting creatures, you've got your evil versus your good. Um, yeah, I and think... There's, there's a lot of gadgets involved too and probably some more vehicles coming along for the merchandising side of things if this ah, yeah. <laughs> is produced. <laughs> Thinking ahead, all right, great. Right, so then possibly before we, before we jump into the uh, workshop side of things, is there anything that you want us to focus on or anything that you particularly need help with? So trash, it's a... Animated kids TV series for eight to twelve year olds about this trash, this charismatic trash monster building an army of garbos to cover the city and the world in rubbish. Basically, 
when toxic waste is dumped into a landfill, it gives birth to this monster called Trash who wants to expand his empire of pollution to create this worldwide network of waste. And he does this by using wheelie bins to abduct people and convert them into zombie litterbugs. His ambition is to expand the Great Pacific Garbage Patch to cover the ocean so he can become ruler of the biggest country in the world. I love that idea. I think that's brilliant. Thanks. <laughs> and then the eccentric EPA professor and his two work experience kids are all that stands in his way. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. All right. So, look, we've had a look at the 10 pages and we're familiar with the story and we have some thoughts. So, unless there's anything that you want us to focus on? I actually quite enjoyed the read more than I thought I would. Mm. The names are more cringeworthy there than I imagined. <laughs> <laughs> but for your audience, I think kids like will go for that. The kids might like it. Yeah. Geez, it was hard to hear them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm open to ideas cause, because I'm coming to this with really fresh eyes after 12 years and there's probably heaps of scope in there for improvement. But it's, it's good to see that there's um, still a bit of fun in, in there. But yes. I'm open to ideas. Let's workshop it. Mm. Okay. Well, look, um, I'll begin with a a thought. And uh, what I'm hoping for is that uh, I don't want to just kind of lay this on you and say this is how it needs to be. What we're looking for is a a conversation and your input to see, you know, how you can take it where you need to take it. But this is uh, my reaction. So um, with the opening conversation, for instance, I wasn't sure why Larry was so forthcoming with the information, like the nefarious information to that uh, character um, who turns up, um, the truck driver. So why was he so forthcoming with that information? And also, who is this truck driver? This is the opening scene, and it feels like there should be a significant character having this conversation rather than, you know, this random truck driver. So I was thinking, rather than uh, than have Larry just spill his guts, it might be better if you know, that truck driver or another character wheedles the information out of him so we can see that, you know, this is his secret plan rather than, oh, yeah, this is what I'm doing. So that was something that struck me. I don't know, did that strike you, Justin, or...? I mean, it did originally, and I thought, because I think sometimes those kind of characters like to sort of try and conceal what they're doing, you know, as much as possible, and then that's something that we kind of would be better off to find out later on what he was doing mm. you know so rather than him sort of suggest you know um, you know we're going to be doing a landfill or whatever you know just telling him exactly what he's doing just sort of telling him to mind his business and not worry about it that's and, but yeah. he could comment about the you know why is that stuff glowing or yeah i, I, glowing stuff I or whatever. agree like, ah, just never mind blah 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 yeah. so it's creating that air of mystery already then kind of like oh what is that kind of stuff and yeah but he's not actually saying what the plan is or anything yeah and look i've got the same note here you know could you save some of this information for later on so what do you think steve does that make sense or yeah completely i think that's a great idea you know i think when i wrote this it was um it was purely exposition you know get it get the information down on the page exactly and that does feel it does feel like that and also this information gets repeated in the classroom as well yeah yeah Yeah. so there's going to be a lot of that information dumps in there which can be shown rather than stated that way or uh, handled different, differently like you've just suggested and creating a question in the audience's mind rather than telling them mm. Mm. as passive like a good, like, yep. It could be revealed like if they're going to build a school and um, uh, on this landfill that we don't find out that that's where they're going to build it. 
Mm. So maybe there's an air of excitement about the new school and everything that's going to be built, but yeah. we don't know that that's where they're going to be building it. Yeah, and that yeah. works something. as a joke then too. It's like the worst possible yeah. place to yeah. build that's it. Right. Yeah, it's horrifying. And that's something yeah. that the kids find out accidentally later on or yeah. something, and then it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Um, when the brain gets booted, that happens after... What happens first is there's, some, there's somebody watching from the rubbish. Is that the brain that has... I mentioned who's no, watching? That, that's that's that the professor? whistleblower who... It's actually Sue, the... Um, okay, so we haven't revealed who that character like, is. No, but okay. someone, someone's a whistleblower, which causes the professor okay. to turn up later to say someone's reported the dumping of biological waste. That's okay. the unseen witness. So, look, I just had a small note there. If the brain gets booted, I was thinking it might be nice if we could land next to the character who's watching from the bushes. Does right. that make sense to connect those two things? Yeah, but he's booted it Although into I the I think because the brain the is being booted into the garbage and that's the catalyst that gets turned into, that gets landed oh, in the Oh, and so the person who's watching is some distance. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. All right. But I, I see what you're talking about there as another alternative way to go. There's a, something rolls up to the fence where this person is hiding and it's, they see with horror what it is. Is that is that way to go as that's well? What I, well, that's what yeah. I was thinking. But um, I, did, I did have an alternate thought on that. Yep. You know, I wondered if because it's, it's very clear to us that like that Larry is a slime ball. So like, what if? I mean, this is this is kind of like merging sort of a couple of characters. So like, what if Larry perhaps ends up falling into the biohazard that he is trying to hide and becomes a a literal slime ball yeah. and then he actually becomes <laughs> trash yeah i love that idea himself That's fantastic so that uh, so that he actually becomes the product of his own environment kind of thing and then so then he so those characters sort of become the same thing yeah. and then when That's, his nephew yeah. comes to do the work experience genius you know he discovers his you know, uncle has turned into this. <laughs> that's that's great. See, this podcast is already paying off. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. See you later, fellas. <laughs> Job done. Brilliant. All right. Yeah, that's that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. And yeah, Larry Landfill becomes his namesake, and mm. he's that's his brain that animates the whole. All. Okay. Well, look, that yeah, may yeah. That's, yeah. That's that may um, have a bearing upon my next question because this was a big question for me. Mm. Why is it so important that Rich work at the landfill? I know that his uncle works there, but it felt like there needed to be some really important reason to go there because for me, it was like they've got a toss up. It's, you know, either you can go to the landfill or you can go to the EPA. And I, I didn't know why the landfill was a better thing <laughs> yeah. than the EPA. I mean, landfill, you know, it's stinky, it's yeah. dangerous, it's horrible. You know what, Cam? I was thinking exactly the same thing when I read this yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell am I doing with this? What's the difference in whether they go to the landfill or the recycling place? Yeah. They're both shitty locations. Yeah. 
Well, look, I was trying to come uh, up with some ideas. I was thinking maybe he likes to take his metal detector there and he's finding things of value. I also thought that maybe he knows that if he goes to work with his uncle, then he can slack off. Yeah. If he goes to the EPA, he's going to have to work. If he goes to the landfill, he knows his uncle will give him some ice cream money and he'll just, yeah. you know, nick off to the beach or whatever for the day and then come back and sign his form and, yeah. Yeah, that's... As that's, another alternative. That's Rich's motivation for sure. And it, it could be solved in as a, just a two-line exchange between him and the teacher. You know, my uncle's rich. Okay, you can go to the landfill, bang. You know, rather than the toing and froing of the, you know, Rich trying to convince Matt to change. It seems like a, a bit of a waste of time mm. considering what else has to be in a pilot episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you have any other thoughts about why, Justin, why, yeah, well, why it had, would be important? I had a similar note too that I, was, I wasn't sure why it was so important. And it felt like to me that at the beginning there was a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of time spent in the classroom kind of setting up the relationship between the characters and stuff, but it just felt like it was so drawn out. And I felt like that the purpose of that scene was to kind of set Rich up as a as a bully, mm. but I kind of felt that that Rich was that Rich was really coming across as the as the real protagonist here. That like everything was all that he was the driving force, and that Matt and Sue kind of sort of receded, like they hadn't really emerged yet. And so I thought, you know, if you've got, you know, if you want to set these characters up, you've got to set them up right from the beginning. So maybe right from the start we set this in the playground or something where um you know maybe maybe matt is you know like the the poster child for like you know environmentalism or whatever and you know and he's you know he's like the hall monitor or something you know you know making sure and rich rich is the one that's throwing his rubbish on the ground or whatever so they get into an altercation and then maybe rich ends up you know stuffing matt in a recycle bin so Mm. then automatically so straight up in those in those first few moments you're setting up that rich is already a bully matt is really you know conscious about the environment and that these two guys are already at loggerheads and so then when it comes to the um the work experience that um that maybe matt wants to go like straight away matt's going to the epa and rich is going to the rubbish dump so those those that kind of it gets announced in the classroom so then they're straight away we're already setting up like like these two boys are like drawing a line in mm. the sand mm. kind of thing and saying, okay, now it's really going to be on between us because, you know, I'm going to be representing the EPA and, yeah. you know, I'm really going to be <laughs> yeah, across think- you. And then that way, you know, we've set that up really quickly mm-hmm. and, then, and then they're both, but both those characters are driving their own yeah. actions. And- That's an excellent idea and it gives it a lot more energy yeah. adding that conflict in from the start and that ideological... Uh, difference between them. I think, uh, yeah, I because think it covers it so quickly, then you've got a lot more room for you know other stuff yeah. to, to come into that. Story. Yeah, great, great idea. It's and the classroom stuff just goes on, drags on far. It too does, long. yeah. Mm. And that, and I think that's really going to resonate with your audience as well. Mm. I mean, kids are you know so onto that stuff these days. Yeah. So I think that's a great way of delineating. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny characters. that you wrote this 12 years ago because it, it seems very kind of relevant now. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
Um, so, sadly, it was relevant back then too. <laughs> <laughs> We're just more aware of it yeah, now. More relevant. Yeah. I know that uh, Mr. Jobsbury at one point says that the EPA is not as glamorous as the landfill. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Was that, was that a joke or was that... It should be a joke, shouldn't it? <laughs> I think it wasn't when I wrote it. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. It was... Uh, um, well, maybe it was. Maybe I'm underselling myself. Yeah, <laughs> definitely that was a tongue-in-cheek okay. moment, Cam. Thanks for All picking right. that up. I think the way that we're the way that we're heading now is probably some of this stuff is not relevant anymore. But the business of the dropped chocolate wrapper seemed a little bit pointless. I wasn't sure why that was there, yeah. but I think the way that Justin's describing an you know an alternative approach makes mm. a lot more sense. And so you could ditch that if you went if you wanted to go down that path. Yeah, for sure. I thought if Matt and Sue, if they end up working at the EPA, I think you've already mentioned I mean we already, you know, understand how they're gonna be coming in and, you know, dealing with the landfill. But Suzuki the with the first time we meet Professor Suzuki, he's there by himself. I thought that you could have a really great moment if the first time we see Professor Suzuki is when he turns up and then the, the two kids kind of appear with him or behind him, mm -hmm. you know, as minions almost yeah. for that guy. Because um, yep. I think we need to stay with the kids. Yes. It's, it's not so much about the adult characters. It's yeah. really about making sure that the kids are driving the story. Uh -huh. I really like that character of Professor Suzuki. And, like, I think I read in the, um, in the little blurb you gave us that... Uh, that he ends up having a, a trash eating robot or something yeah. like that. And so I thought like, again, like the first time we see these characters, if we can like introduce an element of that side of him straight yep. away. So I thought like if someone's had a report from the EPA that someone's, you know, um, dumping biological material, then I sort of think, I wondered whether, you know, just one person would turn up or whether mm. you'd have like a team and so I thought, well, what if, because he's into robots and stuff, what if he still turns up on his bike, but he's got a little trailer on the back with some kind of machine, some kind of robotic machine or something that, um, you know, that when he presses a button, like the machine opens up and then another machine comes out and another machine comes out, kind of like those, you know, babushka dolls. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they just keep popping out, pop, 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 pop. And then suddenly they become his team, but their job is to like scan, start scanning the area yep. for hazardous material and stuff and then you know then larry can be like oh my god and he's sort of very sort of uh underhandedly trying to you know you know uh, like you know squirt water on one of these machines that's about to find something or you know runs over a couple in the bulldozer mm. or mm. something like he's sort of <laughs> trying to stop yeah. you know these things and then you know depending because i'm not sure whether professor suzuki is a bit of a nutty professor or not but if he is you know maybe his remote control kind of goes haywire and mm -hmm. these machines don't actually work properly or whatever so we're setting up straight away from that first moment when we see him the kind of character he is and what he's all about introducing the kids also could be something like maybe sue yeah. is maybe tech savvy as well right. and maybe she can sort of help yeah. the professor to you know refine these kind of yeah because it's very important to have a strong female character in, yes. in film and TV. Yes. So that's right. Nothing's going to get made without it. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that scene may be redundant anyway. There is a, a scene later on in, in this pilot where the kids meet the professor at the EPA, EPA in his lab where he's working on his trash-eating robot, which is made, made from a converted lawnmower. Mm. Um, and that. he's surrounded by gadgets and he's... Mm. 
his uh, dialogue shows you that he's a bit, a bit unhinged. Um, yeah. Very forgetful, and people think he's possibly insane. But uh, how how effective <laughs> is that trash eating robot? Like, is it a little bit kind of dysfunctional? Does it eat uh, the wrong things? Does it, you know, need constant monitoring? That's has a nice got... idea. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering if there's a bit of comic value in there. Yeah, we don't want th- things to go too smoothly. Mm. If it's a comedy, we want almost everything going wrong. Really. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe it has an attitude. Yeah. A recalcitrant. <laughs> yeah, maybe it resents this job that is. Wants, wants been... to go back to grass. <laughs> that has wasted what it should yeah. be in grass, not That's garbage. right. Yeah, yeah. So beneath me. That's right. That's <laughs> literally, <beautiful>. literally beneath <laughs> me. Uh, I like that. Yeah, there's something in that. Yeah, for sure. Wants to go back to vegetarianism. Yeah. <laughs> this omnivore. <laughs> it's a ride on mower that doesn't want people sitting on its back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe it thinks. That, yeah, the whole eating of trash is a bit. Beneath, beneath it. Yeah, you know, pines for it's, open fields of green grass. Yeah, maybe he sees itself as more like a, an artist than yeah. you know, yeah. a garbo. I used to draw lines on the MCG, David. That's <laughs> right. Yes. Now, now I'm yeah. shredding milk bottles. Yeah. 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 I have another big question. Do we ever get to see where this toxic rubbish is coming from? What is the source of this toxic? Yeah, I think rubbish? that's up for, up for grabs too. The the biohazard stuff at the start's just a placeholder, really. I think there's something more thematic we can tap into here about the source of the rubbish, the source of the problem. If it can align with what's really going on in the world currently, then it could be more powerful and have something more to say. I'm not sure what if that it's, is yet. I'm wondering if it could it somehow be linked to Larry, that he's got these other business interests and yeah. he does, doesn't have any way of disposing of all the toxic waste that he's producing. So he's thinking, oh, well, I'll just dump it here and I'll build a school over it. Well, here's another, opportunity. Here's another opportunity to tap into real-world events, which happened late last year, the before, in, in Footscray, where the warehouse was suddenly... The recycling warehouse was suddenly burning out, burning down like a lot of other recycling warehouses mm. seem to spontaneously combust in recent times. Yes. And that whole director of the recycling company was exposed as... Yeah, just a scumbag who wasn't doing anything, just taking the money and stockpiling all our recycled yeah. garbage, which, um, you know, that could be Larry Landfall in, in a nutshell right there, you know, a criminal yeah. who has been stockpiling chemical waste and just dumping it illegally, mm. but it interacts and he gets his comeuppance when he slips into this. Yeah. Um, and look, if you wanted to go down that path, then you can either reveal that at the beginning of the narrative. Um, this is the situation that he finds himself in. This is how he's dealing with it. Mm. Or you could leave that as a little bit of a mystery as well. Mm. There is all this toxic waste which is arriving and we don't know where it's coming from. And then at some point in the narrative, we reveal you know, those awful links between uh, his business interests and what he's doing at this place. Mm. That might, yeah, and that might be a little bit of sleuthing that the kids could do across the episodes. Yeah. I guess the only thing I'd keep in mind if, with the, the running time on a, a series like this is quite short and um, it's called Trash. We need to see the trash monster, monster by the, probably by the end of the first episode, otherwise. 
I should have asked yeah. earlier, what is the length of these episodes? Probably 22 minutes, I guess. Okay, so uh, a TV half hour. Yeah. Sort of, okay. And how many episodes do you envisage for the series? Uh, well, after full syndication globally, full, uh, <laughs> hundreds. Um, I'm not sure, Cam. I haven't thought that far ahead, to be honest. It'd be nice to pace it out to 13 episodes or more in the okay. first series, maybe 26 Okay, so there's quite quite an arc that you've you've got in mind then. Vaguely, it's a vague arc. Yeah, like a rainbow, you can't quite <laughs> nail it down. <laughs> okay. um, Seeing the trash monster like emerge, I mean that could be a good like um, turning point. You know, halfway through the episode, and then suddenly, you know, everything leads up to that, and then yeah. suddenly for halfway, and then suddenly it all goes downhill yeah. from there. In terms of a series arc, just to give you some impression of where I see the potentially where I see the art going potentially is this trash monster becomes a celebrity makes polluting the new craze and he infiltrates society and people are getting converted into these zombie litterbugs so becomes all pervasive and uh, the politicians are all on board as well obviously if the ruling government's still in power then they'll be all behind you know pollution is that because they're all their minds are being... They might have been converted already. Converted, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or not, depending on what I want to say about them. I have a curly one. But there's there's a commercial you know, side of things which they'd probably find appealing mm. at the expense of the planet. Mm. I mean, I, I used to... I started out in animation and um, cartooning and stuff, so I'm, I always think very visually. And so I often think, like, that's those scenes where saying, you know all that stuff's being put into the landfill. Like I see that as a great visual opportunity to just have things just like bulging at the seams, you know, with this kind of glowing stuff behind them. And yeah. mm. especially if like Professor Suzuki's like, is there something going on here? And he's just like, no, no. And the, you know, like this building's like shaking because yeah. it's coming apart or, you know, stuff's dripping out of the ground and mm. Larry's just, like, you know, putting his foot over the, the leak or whatever, you know, as all these yeah. things are sort of happening and, like, no, there's nothing to see here, it's all good and everything's just, like, yeah, getting bigger and bigger and just bulging at those yeah. kind of scenes from a visual yeah. point. That's, that's yeah, good to, good to think of that. Um, Trash's ambitions are to cover the Pacific and, as a, you know, make that into a floating garbage patch that he can walk mm. walk across from Australia to LA and realise his dreams of becoming a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. this, this mentions rap a lot too and um, I'm not sure if that felt dated when you were I'll tell you reading. what it felt because um, this is the curly one that I wanted to throw at you. I wasn't 100% sold on the idea of associating that rap star, that rap music thing which we already associate with black youth and um, you know, in, often coming from um, impoverished mm. backgrounds, linking that with the idea of this evil trash monster trying to take over the world, um, bringing those things together may be slightly uncomfortable. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I don't know if I'm kind of if I'm overreaching here. Did you feel that at all, Justin, or was it just me? I understand, sort of, you know, trying to trying to reach kids in that kind of you know area like try to make it because i know like you know that's how people sort of make things relevant for kids is to put it into a song kind of version yep. i don't know i wasn't i wasn't particularly struck by it that like i didn't 
it wasn't an over concern mm. i don't think i have i put much thought into that side yeah. of it actually but i see your point yeah it was designed more as a, a vehicle to reach the masses through some popular oh i, under, mm, I understand a hundred percent where you're coming from um it was only when i started to mm. think it through a little bit i just thought why why is the evil trash being linked to that particular art form yeah and it maybe it might be nice to keep those things mm. sure there's separate. probably something more relevant now anyway more relevant now wants to start his own um youtube channel yeah who's tube channel that's good <laughs> yeah or some something similar that allows him to broadcast to the world mm. and become super popular which is more important than anything else as we all know steve look at this point we've examined um your first 10 pages your pilot um we haven't gone into any depth in terms of the rest of the series, but I think it certainly has legs. And uh, yeah, I, I really hope that you pursue this. Do you have any thoughts about where you might like to take this and how you might like to proceed with this? Yeah, I think the next step for me is to incorporate some of the ideas you guys have come up with in this podcast, which have been brilliant, really uh, inspiring. So it adds energy to the project that's been sitting there dormant for so long. So ultimately, the, the pilot script has to stand up for itself and as a selling document too i think it has to be rock solid bulletproof you know mm. i'm absolutely amazing and better than anything else that producer had read that day whoever that might be so my next stage with this project would be to belt out a new draft of the the pilot episode incorporating these fun ideas updating the pitch document and reaching out to producers of kids animation in australia to see if i get any bites yeah. So it sounds like the idea still has relevance, perhaps even more so. I love mm. the premise. I think it's really, really strong. And we've talked about some ideas today about, you know, the ways that you could uh, tweak that and change that. I think that first episode, if you wanted to incorporate some of those ideas, could be really, really strong and definitely worth taking to the market. What do you reckon? Yeah, and I definitely think, I mean, this, I certainly see from a visual standpoint, visual element, like this is a very, you know, appealing project for kids. And also it's got a really good environmental message as well, which mm. is which is really relevant for kids. I know my, my son in particular is into all the environmental stuff and stuff. So is my daughter and she's only five. This would certainly be something that would be interested, uh, would, that would interest them. And um, yeah, I wish you... Good luck. I'd say go ahead for it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. That's all we've got time for today. So thank you so much, uh, Steve, for coming in and sharing that with us and uh, being involved in that little workshop. Good luck with the uh, the other episodes with that rewrite. And as we always say, um, everything that is has been discussed in today's 10 pages remains your own intellectual property and you reserve the right to use as much or as little of what we've talked about today as you like. And to any writers, producers or directors or investors listening out there who may be interested in collaborating with Steve, um, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, probably the best way is just via my website, which is www.thecomedycartel.com.au. Email address is on there as well. Thanks for having me in, guys. This has been fantastic. I've got other scripts I could bring to you. <laughs> oh, please do. <laughs> please yeah, please. do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about. <laughs> Same time next week. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. here to help. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. If you've uh, enjoyed this podcast and you have a project that needs development, please email your logline, a brief synopsis, and your first 10 pages to 10pages. That's the number 10, not the word, 
10pagespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and keep on writing. Thank you.